0: Welcome to the Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Morning, are we still morning? We are morning. Morning and hello at home. Or wherever you are watching and connecting, let me put my timer on, that's always helpful. Um, It's really good to start bringing the word to you again today. We're building on a series, so um, if you were around last week, you will have heard Tim bring an Excellent sermon. It was really good. Did you hear it on great grandparenting? Um, if you haven't heard it, I really encourage you to catch up online. You can do that by the website. Um, it was an excellent sermon, and it is really um, challenging to consider how we can position ourselves to really champion the younger generations as they're coming up. Well, today we're looking at parenting. And I'm thrilled um, and thank you for your ongoing prayers for Dignify. The work we're doing with Dignify is interesting and sometimes challenging, often fun, working a lot with children and young people about how for them to be able to have healthy relationships online and offline. But we find ourselves talking a lot to parents. And the more I do with Dignify, the more convinced I am of the need to invest in parents and to champion parents and to help parents, because parenting is obviously a really difficult job. Um, there was this this guy he, um was his name, John Wilmot. He was the Earl of Rochester. He said, before I got married, I had six theories about bringing up children. Now I have six children and are no theories. And it, you know, this is the general principle. It's very easy to have theories about parenting until you start. Parenting. Now, I know as we talk about parenting for different reasons, this can be difficult for some people. One, because of where your parents are at in the season and the situation they're in, or your life story with your parents. Just the word can just evoke lots of emotions that you don't really want to navigate through on a Sunday morning. There's also the reality that for many, there is a desire to be a parent, and that's not happened. A desire to be a biological parent, and that's not happened yet or might for some never happen because of the timeline that you are in, you know that that's not a reasonable thing. Now, I do want to address that, and I do want to speak directly to parents. But also, we need to broaden this understanding, because I do believe this word is for everybody here and at home. Why? Because there are many ways that we can become parents, whether that's biological or through fostering, or through adopting. But there are also, because of the unique, amazing dynamic of the kingdom of God and the church family that we get to be part of, that there is a bigger narrative around parenting that we can position ourselves as parents in a spiritual sense. Whether this is somebody who is spiritually younger than us, or biologically younger than us, we can spiritually parent and we can champion younger people and position ourselves with the heart of a mother or father and I believe this is very much on the father in heaven's heart for us because he as loves us as father he wants us to love others as parents as mothers as fathers and so I do want this to be something that we don't switch off from and think well I'm not a parent So I'll just rest and I'll hook back into this service later. One, you might become a parent in the natural, but I believe God is calling us into this space of spiritual parenthood. So there's something for everyone, okay? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Okay. What we're going to do is we're going to look at a story that is not often used in terms of parenting. And um, I've got something to share from it, and you know, let me just jump back into Dignify for a second. One of the things you know you saw on the strapline, we do talk a lot about porn, and one of the reasons I want parents to engage in these conversations is because the evidence we're getting from our statistics, and we've recently done a survey, six thousand plus young people. Potentially the largest survey of its kind um, in our country. And it is still growing, which is really exciting. But in this, we learn a couple of things. Um, so that one in four young people have seen porn. But the, the concern, and this is where parents get involved, 92% of the young people who are viewing porn are doing so at home. 84% of them on their mobile phone. So this is why we want to talk to parents in that specific space of raising digitally resilient young people because it is not just a school problem. It is a school problem because it's an outworking in school of sexual harassment being normalized in secondary schools, but it's actually a home issue as well because of what children and young people are being exposed to without the parents actually being aware of it. Parents, you know, 92% of parents aren't sitting them down and saying, hey, let's look at this. It's something that is going on in the secret place, and we want parents to be empowered and equipped to engage in this conversation. Then when we look and we ask young people, all of these young people are under the age of 18, and we say, where are you getting your sex education from? And they could have multiple choice answers, and we we understand that school is their greatest source of engagement of information. 66% of young people get their sex education from schools. We understand that there's an education program that is in place place for them. But then you jump down and you get to about kind of somewhere around the 35% their next influence is their friends. Then the next influence is the internet. Then the next influence is the TV. And the very final influence at just 24% uh, young people saying they get their sex education from parents. So we are saying within the Dignify space, parents, this is time to step into this space. This is time to engage in these conversations because our young people deserve better than they're getting. I have no problem with friends sharing information, but the challenge is when you've got young people sharing, they're all figuring it out as they go along. So you're kind of pooling a figuring-outness, it which is not helping our young people stand on solid ground. Now, when we look in the church context, we're looking very specifically on a broader level about raising spiritually resilient young people, young people who can stand in storms because they know who they're rooted in, young people who can look to Jesus as the answer to their solution because they know he has the answers for them. And so when we look at this, we want parents to get engaged. We want parents to know the significant place you In and I think you know, the father has a very particular desire to see the parents raise themselves and be raised by him through his power and his grace to be who and do what he's called you and positioned you to do. And as we understood last week, Tim was unpacking from Ephesians, we'll look at it later. There is an honor that comes to parents. That is, you know, we're meant to be honoring our parents. And I think the Lord has a particular heart because he is parents. So obviously, we go to the Bible, right, for our information and the best examples of how to parent, right? Surely, in this book, we have got the manual as to how to parent. Would we all agree that in the word of God, we've got all the answers, right? All the role models that we can copy, the best parents ever, we can flick through this, we can gain some wisdom, I'm not so sure, I'm not so sure. I I love parenting, I love learning about parenting, I love reading about it and watching about it, and I love the word of God. But in this book, the parents were modeled for us they are as broken as the rest of us. They are figuring it out and messing it up and making mistakes. And if you don't believe me, start reading it from the beginning. So obviously God was the best parent, right? Because he is God the Father. His kids, the first kids, um, Adam and Eve, were they messed up really, really quickly and they had the best and most perfect dad. They messed up, they sinned, they started rebelling, it all went horribly wrong from there. They then had two kids. Were surely second generation with the best father in the world, the next generation are going to be fine those kids messed up they end up having an argument one brother kills the other brother that's not good for family dynamics so we don't really get off to a great start with parenting then you think well let's just push it down into let's go through the stories then you get to abraham never go hiking with your dad if he's called abraham (laughs) you know he went hiking it was really really problematic he had a son the son survived the hike And then this son went on to have a favorite son. You're never allowed to do that. Now, I do have a favorite son, but that's because I've only got one favorite son. He had two sons. You're not meant to have a favorite. He had a favorite and messed them all up. The unfavorite one went on to have a favorite son when he had 12 to choose from, and he's just picking one, and he's the favorite, and he has a fancy coat. And it all goes horribly wrong. And then as you go through, you've got prophets and kings, and you look at their parenting styles, and you think, oh, my Lord. Like, it's not good. The examples are not good. So let's just jump straight into the New Testament, right? let's leave the old testament chaos surely it gets better then of course you get jesus's own parents they leave him behind after the festival and go home and think are we missing something and instead of sitting on an airplane going "Kevin," they're suddenly walking down this road going jesus and you know they've left him behind we all laughed him and i've done that we've left our children not all of them we have left our children in church and gone home have we forgotten one of them? It's like, stop moving. How many are here? No, we've forgotten Bethany. Go back. Um, that has happened. She's fine now. Um, but, you know, <laughs> there is a challenge to parenting. And the brilliant thing about the Lord is he knows it's difficult. And that's why he brings the reality of the stories. He's never going to say, honestly, it's easy. He's never going to do that. But what he is going to say is, I'm enough for you. I'm enough for you, you can do this, you can do this. So let's jump into the story. Um, So the story is, I've never heard it used in regards to parenting don't judge me the fact that I'm going to never heard it talked about in terms of parenting only heard it talked about in terms of faith but I think in this story you get some real glimpses that can help us as parents biological parents foster parents adoptive parents spiritual parents it can help us so if you turn with me to um Mark's gospel chapter five there's a story now let me just put it in a context this is relatively early on in Jesus's ministry and he's walking about and talking and teaching and healing and miracles are beginning to flow. And in this story, it's a bit of a miracle sandwich, if you like. And that we're taking, out the, you, we're taking out the taste of it in the middle. So the bit of the sandwich in the middle is a healing of a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years. And interestingly, as he heals her, you know, she reached out in power. And as he, as he heals her, Jesus turns to her. And the first time he's ever referred to somebody in this capacity, he says, daughter and calls her daughter, which is a powerful thing and shows the context that parenting is important to the Lord because Jesus was never a biological dad and yet he was there saying, daughter... Daughter, you're seen, you're known, you're healed. A beautiful moment, but we're setting that aside. We're not even going there in this sermon. I'm not even going to mention it. The actual story we're going to look at is the bit that comes either side of that healing, which is about Jairus and his daughter and Mrs. Jairus. So Mr. and Mrs. Jairus have this daughter. She's a bit unwell. Let's pick up the story, Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. We'll go from verse 21. Jesus got into the boat again, went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him My little daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. Right, we're jumping over the woman's story. No offense to her. She's one of my heroes. Okay, verse 35. While he was still speaking to her, the lady, daughter, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to go give her something to eat. Okay, three points from this story. I'm going to give you all the three points all in one go. And then we'll just unpack them a little bit. But three points, and I think these will help you. I think these will help you as parents, biological, otherwise, spiritual, otherwise. I think these will help you if you're going to become a parent. Log them away, note to self. Put it as a reminder on your phone that will come up in your diary when you need it. Because I think this is key, and this will help us. The three points, follow him, invite him in, and feed them. Follow him, follow Jesus. Invite him in, invite him into your home. Feed them, feed the kids. Not because they're always hungry and they camp out in front of the fridge. There's way more than that. Okay, follow him. Jairus had every reason to stay with his daughter because she needed him. Jairus had every reason to stay away from Jesus because he was from the synagogue and there was confliction and complication. There's a word there somewhere, complexities. Jairus had every reason to avoid the crowd, but in his point of need, at the end of his capacity, he knew that he needed help, and the help was available in Jesus. There is something about parents, in whatever capacity we're parenting, that we often come to the end of our own skill, capacity, grace, solutions, money, you know, we come to the end of ourselves quite quickly, quite easily if we often, we come to the end of our energies, we come to the end of our wisdom, we come to the end of our patience, whatever we come to the end of, at that point we can stay in that point of lack, or we can follow Jairus' example and pursue Jesus. You see, the Lord tells us through his word that when we seek him first, everything else is added to us. So if we need wisdom, we seek Jesus. If we need provision, we seek Jesus. If we need answers, we seek Jesus. If we need grace, we seek Jesus. If we need anything, we seek Jesus. Because if we seek him first and everything else that we need will be sorted out. Jairus modeled something to us which if we could get hold of, we will see a generational transformation just as this little girl's life was transformed from death to life. Pursue Jesus first. Parents... It's okay to run out of resources. It's okay to not have the answers. It's okay to not be able to figure out how to raise this child and keep this child alive. It's okay. Pursue Jesus. Because in our fallibility, we have this beautiful example of fallibility after fallibility after fallibility. But the one thing that had in common of these people who are the senior saints of our faith is their obedience. That in spite of their human weakness, they still loved the Lord and pursued the Lord. And so the grace of Jesus comes through page after page after page. So pursue Jesus. Follow him. Invite him into your home. There's a challenge for us. You see, what we can do is we can be Christians in one way in a public space and Christians in a different way in a private space. We can have one set of behaviors when other people are around. And then when we're in the confines of our home, when the, you know our shoes are off and the coat's off and the bottom is on the sofa we can be very different people we can be really energetic in this space and really really not in that space we can be really calm in this space and really really not in that space but yet the lord is showing us an opportunity to say invite me into your home invite me into your home there's a brilliant little um verse i want to draw your attention to it's in deuteronomy and um somewhere in deuteronomy no idea where Um, Deuteronomy 6, it will come up on the screen. I could just look up. Um, Okay, Deuteronomy 6, read this with me. Well, don't read out loud, that will confuse you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. There is something so beautiful in this that reminds me of what Jairus was doing of inviting Jesus into his home, that the whole home was going to represent Jesus and everything was going to be a signpost to Jesus. And this instruction and this invitation to repeat to your children what they need to know. Now, I know, sometimes as parents, we get bored of telling our children the same thing. If I have to tell you that again, it's like, we understand that. But actually, there's a principle in place. Tell them the same thing if the same thing is good. So we know this from this study of how children develop. You've got the very early years. They're called the early years for a reason that come on early. In the thing. They're foundational. At this point in the child's sort of ages, when they're under five and under 10, Everything is being laid down foundationally. Their security is being given to them. Their confidence is being given to them. Their sense of, I'm okay, this world might be crazy, but I'm okay, is being given to them. Then when they tip into the adolescent stage and they suddenly become a bit like an alien, that's because their adolescent brain is not like they were when they were a child and it's not like they're going to be when they're an adult. But in their adolescence, they are being shaped for their adulthood. What is repeated and repeated and repeated in adolescence gets embedded so it is normalized for the adult's future self now if you don't believe me I say this often to parents if you don't believe me on that you can probably remember your childhood phone number the reason is because it was embedded you couldn't look it up you had to remember it, so it's probably embedded in there. Or your favorite tunes from your favorite you know, music, you can probably, if we played it, you can probably remember what you were wearing, what you were sitting, where you were feeling about the time because it was so embedded because you played it again and again and again in your adolescence. So there's something about adolescence that actually, when we repeat and repeat and repeat, it gets embedded and normalized. So, Christian parents, let's embed spiritual truths. The world might be crazy, but God is good. Life might be difficult, but God is faithful. This might be scary, but God will come through for us. We might have a bit of lack, but God has enough for us. We might be afraid of things, but in Jesus we have no fear. Let's embed some things, not so that they think life is going to be perfect and easy and then they hit their first storm and go, oh, that's not what I was told. No, even in the storm, Jesus is in control. Even in the storm, if he's in your boat, he's in your boat and all is good. Let's embed some things so that we can have spiritually resilient young people growing and thriving. So Jairus invited Jesus into his home. There is this essence where when we invite Jesus into his home, into our home, he can then live and be and fellowship one with each other and the children see it. And we can repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. Last week, Tim um, referenced the scripture that is really well known and really loved by parents, oftentimes quoted by parents, um, especially the first bit. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, and he says this to, to children. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. I can hear some parents saying that already. Honor me. If you want to live till you see your 10th birthday, you honor me. There is a sense that we as parents, we love this verse. Honor me. I carried you for nine months. Honor me. But the next verse is the important verse for us. So we have a duty, we all have parents. Whether we have had a good experience of that or not, our parents were used by the Lord to give us life. We can honor them for the life the Lord has allowed us to have, because they carried us and allowed that. But the next bit is the bit for parents. And this is a little bit more uncomfortable, let's be honest. Because we like the honor me please, honor me please. But then it says this, Paul says this, fathers, and I think we probably should put the mothers in there. You know, let's admit, it was patriarchal. We can't have it always, ladies. But so fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. That same verse Paul wrote to the Colossians, and there he said not about just do not provoke them to anger, but do not provoke them because you will discourage them. Oh, it's hard when you feel discouraged, when you can't do anything right, when there are so many rules that you cannot do anything right in the home, you just, a child is discouraged. You know, if you don't want your child to break your rules in your home, well, have less rules, that's the first start, you know, (laughs) then there's far less mistakes. But it's discouraging if Adults are constantly poking at their children, provoking their children, being hard on their children. It's discouraging. And the, this essence to, that Paul is saying to the, to the Ephesians, don't provoke them. So when we go back to Jairus' story, and Jairus was pursuing Jesus, so follow him. He was inviting him in. The, what then happened is just so exquisitely brilliant. So the little girl who died and was raised to life by Jesus, right, the miracle wasn't enough. Surely, Ellen, what are you saying? That sounds heretical. Yes, but go with me. Look back in the scripture. You see, what happened was Jesus healed her, brought her back to life, and then said, make her a sandwich. There wasn't enough for just to raise this child into this spiritual being. There's this earthly dynamic that needed the parent engagement and the parent partnership that said, now you feed them. Now, we know on a physical level, purely physical level, feeding children... Well, it's a full-time job. Um, But (laughs) feed, especially when they get really tall. Um, But feeding children, it's it's a full-time job. But, you know, the more balanced a diet... The better and healthier a child is physically, we know this. I remember when when one of my children was really little. A friend of theirs just ate sausages and beans. And this was like, really, how long will that diet last for before like that? That can't be good. But you know, thankfully, I think they grew out of it. But it wasn't one of my children. Um, just <laughs> saying, because I don't like sausages. <laughs> um, but anyway, there's. Now, people are going, really? She doesn't like sausages. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, what we feed them, we want a balanced diet because then we raise them healthy. But spiritually, too, we need a balanced diet for our children. We need to be real with our children. They need to see us working out our faith, they need to see us grappling with the tough subjects. They need to see us not being biased and blinkered and culturally insensitive. They need to see us working through and learning. They need to hear us say, I'm really sorry, I got it wrong. Tim and I have had some magnificent parent fails um, over the years, Um, some quite recently, where, you know, we thought we were doing good and it's like, wow, we've just done that really badly. And we've had to go back to our kids and we've had to say, listen, about that, We're really sorry. We did not think through what we were doing and and how we were communicating. We're we're really sorry. Children need this. They need to have this day-to-day engagement where we repeat after repeat after repeat so that they can understand and grow spiritually resilient. We need to feed our children and not avoid subjects. I was doing a teacher's training session, so a CPD session. I had 100 teachers there. And I asked them, do they think parents should be more involved in the conversations around sex ed? I laugh now, because it was fun at the time. Um, Anyway, I asked this question, and 98% of them said, yes, we agree. Parents or teachers should be more involved in this. And then two teachers, literally two teachers out of the whole of the 100 of them, said, "Uh, we don't agree. I was like, would you be brave enough to unpack? Why do you not think that parents should be involved in this? It's like, because we've met some of the parents. <laughs> <laughs> they are so blinkered. They are so culturally entrenched. They're not listening. They're not engaging. They're not open to dialogue. They're just stuck. And it's like, oh, wow. Parents, we need to be learning. And we, yes, hold our values, but the only one that we need to hold to and not let go is Jesus. And he's love and he's grace and he's kindness and he's forgiveness. So we need to follow him. We need to invite him in. And we need to feed our kids a balanced, healthy diet so that they can thrive. There's a generation who arguably are dying. There's a generation of children trying to get their head around the challenge to navigate their generational timeline. I tell you, it was easier in my day when I was a kid. And I could leave school, and I left school, and I left school... At school. Now kids bring school in their pockets, in their mobile phones, home from them. They're so influenced with so many different things and you know even as parents we have to think what influences are we allowing into our homes? What games are our children playing? What social media are they on? How much time and influence is coming into our young people that is so conflicting and so negative to them? Honestly, what are we allowing to influence into our home? Because Jesus wants to be invited in. He wants to be the thing that they see all around the house. Not just sort of like cheesy posters, but, you know, in the sense of, you know, the love of Jesus filling every space so that wherever they look, they're reminded they're loved and God is good. It's hard. It's hard. So look, we need to, um, we need to land this. We can all be parents to Someone. I got mistaken once um, for being Steph's mother. And neither of us denied it. We just went along with it. It suited us at the time. I don't know how they thought, you know, obviously I'm old enough, but I just, the accent, it's like, wow, you raised her apart from you. It's like, yeah, yeah. But we, we got, you know, we can all parent. We can all stand in a space and love someone as, as wholeheartedly and as passionately as a mama or a papa lion. We can do that. Our kids need us to do that. Other kids need us to do that for them, to stand in gaps. I'm so grateful that at different seasons in my life, I've had spiritual parents. They haven't lasted as long as my own human parents who have been there all the time, God bless them. But they've been there in a season, and you might be called in a season to be a parent to someone. Might be a short season, a medium season, a long season, who knows? You might be blessed enough to be a parent I know sometimes it doesn't feel like a blessing. I know that. I know that the very answers to your prayers can sometimes be the cause of another prayer. I I get it. But yet, this is where we're at, and this is the Lord's purpose, to be family, to be family. So we're going to pray. I wonder if the band can come up and begin to make... A beautiful sound. I do love having you playing, Una. You make me happy when you play. Nothing against any other keyboardist now. Just, just, it just makes me happy to see you doing that. We're going to pray. We're going to pray several ways. Firstly, I want us to be honest for those people who would love to have been a biological parent but are not yet or maybe never will. Because I believe today, today, the Lord wants to expand your vision. I know what it's like to walk around town and think everybody is pregnant, even the men, and it's unfair that you're not. I know that feeling. I've been there. I've walked in that. But yet the Lord wants to expand your vision beyond biological limitations, beyond timelines, beyond that, for you to see a bigger kingdom narrative, a bigger kingdom picture. So I want to pray for you first. I don't want to embarrass anyone. You're not going to be standing to your feet, but I want to pray for you. So close your eyes wherever you are. Holy Spirit, you are here. And you know what it is like for women and men who wanted to parent, who have not yet had that and how much it hurts to have deferred yearning. And Lord, I pray that you would minister right now to those people or just maybe that person who today feels that pain, that they still are not in a season or a situation in which they can parent, whether that be relational, Or medical, they're not in that space. Lord, I pray that you would broaden their vision. Broaden their vision to give them a bigger picture. And Lord, in your grace and mercy, if it is possible that you give them the desires of their heart, we ask you to meet them in that space. Lord, I also want to be mindful of those people who are right now parenting, who are actively parenting children in the home. I wonder if this is you, if you'd be willing to stand up. On the basis, we probably know you've got children. If it's a surprise, you know, just, oh, wow, I didn't know you had kids. Just stand to your feet. I want to pray for those people who are actively parenting. This is a tough job, but you're up for the challenge because Jesus is enough for you. The Holy Spirit is enough for you. You can do this. He has positioned you and purposed you and trusts you with these little ones. So Holy Spirit, I want to pray for everybody who's standing. I thank you for the mums and dads in this room. I thank you for the families that these people represent. And I pray, Lord, that you would come by your Holy Spirit and you would grace them and you would equip them and you would sustain them and you would give them wisdom and you would help them to be a people who follow you and help them to be a people who invite you into their home and help them, Lord, help them, Lord, to feed their children the balanced diet that you long for them to be fed by. Holy Spirit, I pray A grace anointing that from today onwards they would take hold of what they're called to be in this generation. I want to shift it. I want to pray for people whose children are not pursuing Jesus. So you might want to sit down if your children are too little or stay standing. But if you've got children and they're not currently pursuing Jesus, I want to pray specifically for you in that space. This is not to shame you or name anything, make it problematic. But Holy Spirit, you know what it's like to have children turn their back on you. You know how hard it is when children are not pursuing you. And so I simply ask, Holy Spirit, that for everybody standing, you will anoint them with grace and renewed hope and renewed faith and for people at home too. And I pray for a turning of prodigals. I pray for children to come back to you, Jesus. Your word says that if we teach them in the way they should go, they won't depart from it. Lord, I pray for those who are currently on a detour. Lord, will you bring them to full, intimate relationship with you when they would know you as their Lord and Savior, where they would love you and where they would be people who choose to follow you and choose to invite you into their home. But for the parents, give them grace, Lord, in the wait. Give them grace, Lord, in this stretch where they don't see the signs that they want to see. But Lord, would you bring the generation back? Would you raise them to life? Would you breathe in them spiritual life that they would awaken to who they are in you and who you are to them? Lord, I pray that there would be so many of these young people suddenly opening their eyes, seeing you restored into a full living dynamic relationship with you so holy spirit do what only you can do fill this church family with testimony of children coming back into faith of children coming into faith of children awakening and young people awakening and adults awakening to you being their loving father and them being alive in you We're going to sing now. So why don't you all stand with me as I just pray to draw this into close. Lord, I want to thank you that you love us as our Father. And because you love us as our Father, we can love others as parents, whether they're our children biologically or otherwise, whether this is in the spiritual realm or otherwise. Lord, we can love others because you love us. So I pray that you would help us fall in love with you. That we would be a people who follow you. That we would be a people who invite you into our homes and our lives. Into our comings and our goings. Into our cars, into our workplaces, into our very existence. That we would be a people who follow you first and foremost and who invite you into our home. And that we would faithfully, faithfully, consistently keep feeding those around us with all that you give us to share. In Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the Wellspring Church podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way.